Golf Today, brought to you by PointsBet. PGA Tour's 75th playing of its annual event at Colonial Country Club returns with plenty of stars on hand trying to claim the right to wear the plaid jacket. Now, one star who will not be present is the 2020 U.S. Open champion. Just a couple hours ago, the PGA Tour announced that Bryson DeChambeau has withdrawn from the Charles Schwab Challenge. Last week, now Bryson tested his wrist at Southern Hills before the start of the PGA Championship before deciding to not tee it up in the season's second major. With more on Bryson, welcome in Rex Hoggard from Colonial. Damon, I had a chance to talk with Bryson's manager, and he said that Bryson is making progress in his recovery. They just felt like he needed one more week, and there is a level of confidence that he'll be ready to play next week at the Memorial. And his manager pointed out Mirfield Village was supposed to be where he was going to make his return to competition, so they feel like he's right on schedule. Now, there's plenty of players who did make the trip down from Tulsa to Fort Worth, and they're making that transition from a major championship venue to a PGA Tour course. It's a transition that's been made a little bit easier this week by the similarities and the two Perry Maxwell designs. So definitely types of golf course that I truly love. You got to be extremely accurate off the tee and then coming into those greens. Uh, like you said, I think Southern Hills is like the big brother of, of Colonial, but they both hold the ground uh, really well. And if it's windy out here, it can be extremely tough as well. It's very rare that we go from a Perry Maxwell design last week to another Perry Maxwell design this week. So you're going to see a lot of the same visuals, a lot of the same bunkering, um, the way the holes are routed. Now this is obviously a little shorter golf course, but a little rain today and a little rain maybe tomorrow uh, might play a little bit longer. But all in all, he's huge on hitting the golf ball, tighter fairways. I grew up on a Perry Maxwell design, so I'm, I'm used and familiar with it. And that's why I loved last week and I love coming this week. Yeah, obviously there's a lot of similarities with the you know same designers. Um, Colonial is just a little bit smaller version, I would say, from Southern Hills. Uh, a little bit tighter, not quite as long, but really similar shots into the greens. Uh, tricky lives from Bermuda Rough and, you know, small little greens that kind of sit up, little sections. Um, so yeah, it's a really similar style of golf that's going to do well here. Yeah, I could see some similarities be between the two. Um, this one, uh, you know, is not quite as long, but... Um, you know, Southern Hills was a, a great layout, but uh, this one's uh, a historic place too. So um, I tend to like the, these kind of shorter uh, golf courses with a little bit tighter fairways. I mean, I you know everybody thinks I'm a you know a bomber and I like those big golf, big ballparks, but um, you know I grew up on a short little quirky golf course. So I uh, not to say this place is quirky, but you know tree lined, small small fairways, small greens, and you know you just gotta you know see your shot. Last week's champion Justin Thomas also arrived at Colonial on Tuesday and he got here a little bit before lunch. Spent a little time on the range practicing and then went out and played a few holes in a light rain. And it seems like the celebration is over and he's ready to get back to business. Damon. All right, Rex Hoggard, Charles Schwab challenge for us in Fort Worth, Texas. Great field, by the way, a real Texas flavor. But yeah, you also have the two-time PGA champ, Justin Thomas, about a, about a four-hour drive, I'd say, across the Red River. I've making that drive from Oklahoma to Texas, Texas to Oklahoma. It's a really cool drive. I recommend you see that, that Red River. Very, very cool. Scotty Scheffler in the field. Jordan Spieth always plays well at Colonial. Defending champ, Jason Kokrak, talking about how much he loves this kind of tight, old-school test of golf. Now, speaking of Scotty Scheffler, Masters champ did not have the week that he wanted to aim in in Tulsa. This was Friday playing his final hole the ninth. Yeah, par would have seen him through for the weekend, but 
Left that one pretty far short. This was for bogey. Yeah, double bogey and missed the cut by twos. The scenes we have not seen from this player who has just been on a heater in 2022 with the four wins, including that green jacket. You see his worst performances in majors, three missed cuts. Now finished in the top 30 in all eight other appearances in majors, including five top 10 finishes. So the kid has four wins and nine starts, uh, but surprising to see him go home after telling us that this was his favorite golf course in the country. It's a sign of how much of a surprise it is that we're actually focusing on his worst performances <laughs> in the majors, because right. there haven't been that many yeah. of them. He was riding seven straight top 20 performances, five straight top 10s in major championships, and he wasn't that far off. Yeah. I mean, it was a double bogey on the last hole that got him out. It was a little scrappy around the greens. You know, there was a lot of chatter last week from the players that the sand in the bunkers actually presented a real hazard versus what they see week in, week out. Yeah. The PGA Tour, he was two for seven in, in sand saves last week. So little things like that made a difference with him. But it's a little bit surprising, not just because he's on record as saying that Southern Hills was his favorite course, but we also had one of the club professionals last week telling folks that yeah. Scotty had gone very low in a practice round as well. Yeah, and he shot, what, one over on that Thursday. He came out of the more difficult wave. He played late and then early, very windy on that Friday morning. I'm not worried about Scotty Scheffler at all. He has had a fantastic, some might say, an historic season so far. Where does he go from here in your mind? He's back to Texas, his home state. Uh, I think he's going to turn the page very quickly. He had a great moment on the fifth hole on Thursday with that 300-yard three-wood uh, setting up an eagle from 10 feet. I think things are in working order, but in a major championship, we know that the margins are especially thin. And they were particularly thin on that golf course last mm. week. And it's not as though he shot a couple of 80s and was gone quickly. I mean, he lost strokes to the field off the tee. He lost strokes around the greens and he lost strokes on the greens. Not a huge amount, but you only have to be a notch off on a golf course that's particularly unforgiven to be packing your bags on Friday evening. I don't think it's going to cause him any kind of crisis of confidence. I'd expect him to be back to business as usual this week. There's that saying that nobody owns the game of golf. We're all renters, whether you're a 25 handicap or a master's champ. Do you to Tiger Woods. Yeah, <laughs> maybe the only one. Maybe he and Jack. But do you think that he's going to quickly get back to winning? You say getting back to normal. Does that mean turning the page and adding a fifth, sixth, seventh win this season? Well, it's kind of hard to bet against the guy when he hmm. managed four wins in quick succession. But you see a guy like Justin Thomas, who's really a, a confidence animal out there as well. And the way he stepped up and grabbed the PGA Championship by the throat over the weekend. A lot of folks are playing well. And I think it's just evidence... Scotty Scheffler missing the cut actually is evidence of how tough it is to do what he's been doing in the previous few weeks yeah. out there winning the Masters, winning the match play, winning Bay Hill, winning Phoenix. There's, that is not anybody's norm these days in the golf. There's a tremendous yeah. amount of parity and equity in golf. But I would be very surprised if Scotty Scheffler was not putting himself in the mix over the next few weeks before we get to the country club. 100% agree. He was my pick to win. The PGA Championship shows what I know. Scotty is back on the horse in Fort Worth, Texas. Speaking of Masters champs, about a two-time Masters champ, Bubba Watson. Nice moments Bubba last Watson. week in Tulsa. Just fun to see him back in the mix. This was Friday, 10th hole, par four. Second shot from 143 yards. Just to see the shot making of this player who moves the golf ball in a way that really nobody else in the game does today. This is the 11th hole, the par three. Imagination, call him a, a savant, Eamon. In the hole, I've got him five under on the day, Damon. Walking tall, 
My dad always thought that Bubba had the best walk in the game. Just kind of that stroll. This is the 17th hole, the par four. Second shot from 103 yards. Got the two feet going in birdie. Second round, 63, tying the course record. He back up a little bit, finished tied for 30th. And then he tweeted out yesterday his congratulations to Justin Thomas on his second PGA Championship. It was a great event this year. It just didn't work pan out how I hoped. He also then announced that he's disappointed that he has to pull out of the Charles Schwab Challenge this week. Knee surgery issues turned out to be a torn meniscus. He's going to be out for four to six weeks. And that's going to take a two-time Masters champion out of the U.S. Open. Mm, get well soon, Bubba Watson. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Is this house a good price compared to others in the area? Are prices going up or down? If I don't make an offer right this very moment, will I miss my chance? These are just some of the questions a home buyer might ask. And these are the sorts of questions an agent who is a Realtor can help answer. Because Realtors have the expertise, data, and access to specialty training to help you navigate the process of buying a home. They provide support, guidance, and have your back every step of the way. That's what Realtors do, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Back on golf today, let's take a look at the upcoming schedule on the Corn Ferry Tour. It is a good one. The NV5 Invitational, the Rex Hospital Open as well, and the BMW Charity Pro-Am. Always a lot of fun with some celebs, and the Wichita Open as well. Now, you may have seen this story that came out in last week's Advent Health Championship. James Nicholas learned he was first alternate late Wednesday night, so he booked a flight from New York to Kansas City. But his flight got delayed on Thursday. He ended up arriving on site moments before teeing off. James Nicholas joins us now. He was coming in hot. Not like when you're foursome, you call your buddies, I'll meet you on the second tee. You can't do that on the Corn Ferry Tour. Buddy, so anyone who travels knows it can be stressful, delays, cancellations. When did you realize something was amiss? You know, I was just happy at that point to have a chance to get into the event. Um, I, went to, I was watching the Rangers game on Wednesday night with my family, and I got a text at 730 yeah. saying, hey, uh, you know, your seventh alternate. And then two hours later, they hit, hey, you're, you know, your first alternate. So um, I didn't really have any expectations of the week. I got on the plane, and I ended up getting a text mid-flight saying that I was in. And uh, that was after the delay. So that was when I kind of started to think, uh-oh, what's going on here? How much time actually transpired between you walking up in, into the golf club there, James, and actually hitting that first tee shot? It looked pretty manic. Yeah, so I, I rolled through the gates at 12.10. My tee time was at 12.15, but I was last to play, so... During uh, Scott and Kevin's, uh, while they were teeing off, I was putting on my shoes and doing all the extra stuff, marking my ball, just trying to figure out what I had and what I didn't have. So 
it was it was four minutes from uh, you know getting onto the tee to when I hit that tee shot. Four minutes. So you left your clubs on the carousel. First of all, where are they? And then how'd you end up cobbling together a set? Yeah, so the head pro at Blue Hills Country Club, who hosted the tournament, uh, put together a set for me. And then I got in the first tee, and one of my buddies, Theo Humphrey, he was leaving. He just finishes around. And I know, you know, his driver's pretty similar to mine, so I was like, hey, Theo, can I use your driver? And he was gracious enough to, to lend me his driver and let me use it. So it was a lot of pieces, but I couldn't have done it without the Corn Ferry Tour team and, uh, you know, them asking the head pro and him being able to – or him lending me his set. So a lot of teamwork there to help me, you know, be able to play. Was there anything really in that bag that was cobbled together for you, James, that had any kind of familiarity to you as you headed out for a tournament round? Oh, no. There was not one piece. I was, I was texting. I was like, hey, I, I swing it pretty hard. Do you have any, like, you know, X shafts? And he's like, I don't know. I got this. I was like, you know, whatever. Just give me whatever you can get. And then uh, the putter felt great. It was a little heavier. I think I might make my putter a little heavier after using that week, after using his that, that week. So where are your clubs now? Do you have a, you know, reunite them? Do you hug them and, and say, I'll never leave you again? Like, what's going on with your clubs? Yeah, so right after the round, I went right back to the airport, but I didn't have a rental car because I wasn't able to stop and get one. So I Ubered an hour back to the airport, went to Delta's uh, baggage claim office, and it was locked. So I was, like, knocking on the door for 10 minutes. No one answered. So I ran around the airport to try to find an employee. Finally got it unlocked, and they found my clubs. And I was able to use them the next day. And I, I got them here with me back in New York. So they're, they're safe. Now, there were a lot of people ahead of you on the alternate list, James, who said no, who didn't want this kind of stress or, or manic travel day. Yeah. Explain why it mattered so much to you that you did say yes and you were willing to do this. You know, I think this is just what pro golf is all about. Um, you know, you guys know it all comes down to chances. And there's so many guys who are good enough uh, to play at the highest level, right? The, the line is so thin. And Sometimes it's a matter of, of this kind of chance, right? I wish I had gone out there and played great. I didn't, but I know there's going to be chances uh, in the near future. Um, I just got a sponsor event to the, to the Wichita Open, like you, you guys were just mentioning before, and the upcoming on the event schedule. So it's just getting these chances one after the other and making the most of it. Yeah, I didn't know if I was going to get in, but it ended up working out this week. And even if it hadn't, I still would have gone back and done the same thing the next week. And, you know, for those guys to make that choice not to come, it's that, that's on them, and that's their choice. And, you know, you got to respect that, too. But for me, um, I was kind of brought up to just, you know, if there's a 0.1% chance, I'm going to be there. So that's what I decided to do. You didn't make the cut. Obviously, you wanted to play on the weekend. Was there a moment on the golf course where you said, man, had I had my clubs, this shot, this yardage, uh, maybe the shot would have gone the way you wanted it to? Yeah. Uh, so I get in the first tee, and like you guys saw, I, wrote, I striped my driver down the middle of the fairway about 330 yards, and I had one... 87 into a par five so i pulled out eight iron i was like okay i'm a little jacked up even though i just got off a plane i think i'm just go hit an eight hit it to the front of the green two buffer birdie and get out of here and i hit it 40 yards over the back of the green almost out of bounds and i, I looked down at the club and i'm like okay these clubs are a little hot so let's just know that for the rest of the round <laughs> and obviously some some you know i had a couple more like that and all my bogeys were just launching it over the green so yeah that that thought can kind of creep into your head and say you know what if what if but I don't look at it that way. I had this opportunity, and I'm trying to just look at all the positives that came out from it and all the positives that, you know, were, were for me being there and, and just trying my best, and there's a lot of them. So where does the tournament schedule take you next then, James, in the hopefully less stressful manner? Yeah, so I am preparing for the uh, Canadian, uh, Canadian tour event in uh, Vancouver this next week, and then I'm going to fly home, and I got a sponsor's invite into Wichita Open, so I'll play the Wichita Open. And then after that, it's kind of up in the air. I might go back to Canada and try to 
get some status that way through Canada or hopefully try to Monday qualify in the Corn Ferry Tour. Starts have been pretty scarce this year, so just try to, you know, make the most of my opportunities and, and just try to keep going from there. James, you went to Yale. We're in Connecticut. I see that Y letter on a hat or a shirt. to carry some weight around these parts. Ryan Latham did a profile on you a couple of years ago for GolfChannel.com. You were pre-med, son of, a, of an orthopedic surgeon, grandson of an orthopedic surgeon, well put Joe Namath's leg back together. How did you end up not following them into the family business? You know, I think most doctors become good golfers uh, over their years. <laughs> so I think the one thing my dad would want me to do other than be a doctor is be a professional golfer. And, you know, we grew up in golf mecca of the world, right in Westchester County, New York. So I was just lucky to, to grow up playing such a great golf course in Westchester Country Club. And it just kind of fell, you know, one step after the other. I went to Yale to play football, ended up focusing on <clears> golf. And then now, now I'm here. So it's just it's been an incredible journey. And I know that this is just the beginning. So I'm looking forward to it. You know what what's uh, down the road well a bright future ahead for you james thanks for having some fun with us we wish you safe and uneventful travel uh, going forward we'll speak to you soon yeah thanks guys thanks for having me on well the lpga tour is in las vegas this week for the bank of hope match play championship at shadow creek but is match play too much of a gamble for the top players one week before the richest event in the history of women's golf we'll discuss coming up next Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. To move closer to family, live within a smaller budget, or just wanting a change of scenery. Whatever your reasons, having to figure out all the various housing market trends in your area may not be what you signed up for. That's where an agent who is a Realtor comes in. Realtors have the expertise to help you find the right price and navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. That's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Back on golf today, in case you missed it, in the midst of the PGA Championship, some notable news from the women's game. World number two Nellie Korda posted a video of herself working on the range May 19th. In early March, Korda announced that she had been diagnosed with a blood clot in her arm. Then in April, she took to social media announcing that she had undergone successful surgery on her subclavian vein. Good to see her back on the golf course and more news out of the women's game as two-time u.s women's open winner nb park will not compete in next week's u.s women's open at pine needles as well as this week's bank of hope lpga match play event parks manager told golf week magazine that she's taking a few weeks off to get back into top form and will nail down her schedule after pine needles which is set for june 2nd through the 5th in southern pines north carolina 
This week, the LPGA Tour heads to Shadow Creek in Las Vegas for the Bank of Hope LPGA Match Play. This is the second edition of the LPGA's only match play event of the season. Last year's tournament was the first match play event on the LPGA Tour since 2017, when Se Young Kim won the Lorena Ochoa Match Play. Here's the format for the Bank of Hope LPGA Match Play, and it very much mirrors what we see at the Dell Match Play on the PGA Tour. 64-player fields split into 16 groups of four. Group play winners advance to single elimination matches, round of 16 and quarterfinals are played on Saturday, semi-finals and finals played on Sunday. Two players in the championship match will play their seventh round in five days. And here's our upcoming LPGA Tour schedule, the match play this week, and then next week, the richest event in the history of women's golf, the US Women's Open at Pine Needles. And then the ShopRite LPGA Classic and the Meyer LPGA Classic, which will take us up to the cusp of another major after that. So I got, I got an issue here, Damon. I'm, I'm curious you got an whether issue. or not you. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's an issue, it's a question. Okay. Match play the week before a stroke play major championship. Good? Or yeah. Bad? Remember that scene in Gladiator when the king goes like, yeah, that's what I'm doing that. Listen, I love match play, but a five day match play event the week before. The national championship just does not make sense. And I love the match play. Al Ewing won it last year. I love seeing the, the scenes from Las Vegas. But I do remember that week was really kind of notable for the fact that Shen Shen Feng decided to not compete in the consolation because of the U.S. Open. Because a major championship was the very next week. So I think the folks at the LPGA, which I love to watch and report on, has to put their minds together and protect both the national championship, which is arguably the most important event on the LPGA Tour, and the match play, which is a unique format that I think deserves its own week away from a major championship. Yeah, I'm with you on this. I'm all for match play, but this is the worst week on the schedule, mm. to put it in there, because we just saw in the graphic that whoever wins plays seven matches in five days. So this was the rare event where the winner who leaves Vegas will not be considered or can't really be considered a favorite heading into the next week. Yeah. They're, they're simply just going to be annihilated. You're talking about playing over five days, you're playing in a furnace in Las mm -hmm. Vegas, and then you're traveling across the country to get point. the Pine Needles as well. I think that also explains why this tournament doesn't get the strength of field that it deserves given that format, and it would have. There are other open mm. weeks on the LPGA schedule during the year. This event should be there to protect the Bank of America and, and, and the tournament itself, and because you know, the U.S. Open doesn't need protecting. Clearly, people are prioritizing it. Yeah. It's the event leading into it that needs protecting, and it's not getting it right now. I think you're right, especially when you hear fans of golf say how much they love alternative formats. I mean, I want to see Jin Young-Ko in match play. Don't get to see Jin Young-Ko in a Solheim Cup. Could see her in the Bank of Hope match play. I want to see the best player in the women's game in a match play format where it's head-to-head, -head, where the emotions and the energy are different than uh, your typical 54 or 72 hole event. So I think it is a miss for folks who love the game of golf and for those who kind of, you know, I won't say whine, but clamor about having alternative formats to watch. Yeah, there's, there's a great head to head potential in, in this format and, and this tournament that's not being delivered because we're now at the point in the season where players are starting to prioritize. There's a $10 million prize fund next week at yeah. the U.S. Women's Open and a million dollar prize. This is more than a million dollar prize, actually. This is not going to help Bank of Hope yep. to stay in this slot because yeah. 
you know, there's a couple of then long-established legacy events coming right up after the U.S. Open, and then you're heading towards the KPMG Women's PGA Championship. Mm. Something is going to give in that streak right there, and I think this tournament is kind of being needlessly sideswiped by the prioritization that's going on with the other players. Move it, and it still has the potential to be a, a great addition to the LPGA Tour schedule. It's just not in a good spot right now. Yeah, there was fantastic action last year when Ali Ewing won, but hopefully there'll be some changes in the schedule going forward. So we'll get a look right now on the race to the CME Globe. Always interesting to see at this point in the year who sits where. The season ends in Naples. Always a fantastic spot. We get an update. Minji Lee, major champ, playing so well in 2022. Daniel Kang started out really well. Jin Young Ko, the world number one, really bouncing back from that unforeseen error in Los Angeles. Lydia Ko, number six. Lexi Thompson getting back on some leaderboards as well. All right, folks, now an update on the Epson Tour, the road to the LPGA. Despite an early bogey in the final round, Grace Kim shot a seven under par 64 on Sunday to win the IOA Golf Classic. 21-year-old set the 54-hole tournament scoring record of 18 under 195 en route to her five-shot victory, her first on the Epson Tour. Been a great run of late for Grace as a couple of weeks ago she earned one of four spots at qualifying in New Jersey and will tee it up in the U.S. Women's Open next month. Congratulations. All right, folks, up next, always wonder what it's like for Archie Manning watching his kids, Olivia Manning watching Eli and Peyton play some football. What's it like being the father and coach of a two-time major champ? Mike Thomas next on Golf Today. Welcome back to Golf Today. Quite the Sunday at Southern Hills Country Club in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Justin Thomas, son of a PGA professional, grandson of a PGA professional, started the day seven shots back, posted that final round, 67, 36 of, six of his final 13 holes, by the way, including two in the playoff, to defeat Will Zalatoris and win that second Wanamaker Trophy. Reunited with it after five years. Of course, he won at Quail Hollow in 2017. How about 15 wins, including two majors before the age of 30? Jack, Tom Watson, Rory, Johnny Miller, Tiger Woods, and now Justin Thomas, whose coach and father, Mike, joins us on this Tuesday. Mike, thank you for your time. I always marveled at Archie and Olivia Manning watching Peyton and Eli dodge defensive ends. Now, nobody's tackling JT, but what's it like for you watching your son in the heat of a major? Yeah, well, it's a good thing no one's tackling uh, tackling him because he's not that fast. Uh, yeah, it's um, you know everybody asks us out there when we're when we're watching him, you know, how we feel and are we nervous and so forth. But um, you know, we did our work prior to teeing off and and prior to the tournament day, so uh, I don't really get too worked up until it's uh, towards the end. I'm just kind of watching his processes and, and you know see what we can learn from. Uh, to, to use down the road, but uh, I don't get too worked up until it gets really, really close, like okay. in that playoff. Well, Mike, Justin started really well with a couple of 67s in the first two rounds, struggled a little on Saturday to a 74 and was seven strokes back heading into the final round. Did you have to do any kind of regrouping or what was your game plan Saturday night, Sunday morning before he went back out there? 
Yeah, well, I think it's been documented. Bones had a, a good talk with him on the range. Uh, you know, I, I know sometimes uh, I just need to be quiet and, and let him vent. And uh, he was dealing with either sinus infection or allergies all week. So uh, he wasn't in, in the greatest of mood all week. And uh, so sometimes I just have to let him vent a little bit. And Jones, uh, Bones jumped in there and, and had a few real good uh, words of wisdom and the thing that I said uh, Sunday morning is, uh, you know, six under is second place. Let, let's chase that second place. Let's chase that six under. And, um, it, you know, if, if the if the leader shot a couple under, there wasn't much we were going to be able to do about that. So uh, let's just try to chase those six unders back. But his mentality was just, uh, you know, try to make as many birdies and shoot as low scores he could and, and see where that put him. Mike, a few days ago, Justin mentioned uh, the fine line of you being dad and coach and needing you sometimes to be tough on him, to get that inner you know, Nick Saban out. Uh, how do you kind of walk that line, that balance of being his dad and being his coach and maybe kind of giving him the tough talk that he sometimes craves? Yeah, probably uh, maybe one of my weaknesses is I'm not hard enough on him. Uh, I, I just don't uh, – I just – I have trouble doing that to any of my students, let alone him. So, you know, sometimes he'll press me to push him a little bit harder. And I have to be reminded that, you know, as a coach, that's what I should be doing more rather than, you know, as a father, you don't want to get on your children if you don't have to. But uh, I think Justin demands a little bit more of that for me. And I've got to get better at doing that for sure. Mike, I talked to Bones out at Southern Hills a few days ago about this kind of old school vibe and, and shot-making attitude that Justin tends to bring to the game. And he pointed out that he thought two of the best rounds he'd seen all year from Justin happened in really adverse conditions at TPC Sawgrass and at Augusta. Where does that come from, that kind of gritty embrace of adversity? Well, I mean, he's always – it's more – I think he just has tons of imagination. And when you get <laughs> those real adverse uh, conditions, it's less uh, about – style points with your golf swing and more about creating shots out there. So the more you can get in that creative state of mind, the less you're really worried about positions in your golf swing uh, to the point to where, when we really are struggling with uh, shot making on the range we, or, or something golf swing wise on the range, we typically go to let's just, let's just hit some shots and forget about what this golf swing looks like or what the video or what the launch monitors are saying. Uh, but I would say the adverse conditions suit him because, A, he's got a lot of shots, and, B, uh, his imagination gets to take over where he can flight a lot of balls and curve a lot of balls in both directions. You mentioned Bones in the conversation Saturday about Justin sometimes being so hard on himself. Of the players that I've covered in this modern era, there are a few that are tougher on themselves who have higher expectations despite all the success that he's already had. How much were you in agreement that sometimes JT, he's just – almost irritable if he goes too long without bringing home a trophy. Yeah, no question. I mean, uh, I tell a lot of parents uh, of other kids that I teach that, um, you know, being hard on yourself is, is what makes you good. That, that's what makes you want to go out and, and, and practice after a bad round or it makes you, you know, after a bad tournament to go that next day and get to work. I mean, that stubbornness and that, that, uh, being hard on yourself is is part of what makes you better, but to be able to manage it and sometimes be able to step back and go, look, it's it's, you know, you're not going to have what you want every single day, and you know, let, let's 
focus on some of the good things that you're doing well. For instance, on Saturday, he had two, two, three putts, and uh, we all agreed uh, that his decision uh, to go for the green on 13 was a poor decision. Uh, short side himself on 15, which he doesn't do very often. So really, you know, two, three putts and two decisions cost him a minimum of four shots. So he actually played. He actually played pretty good Saturday. He just didn't have the score to show for it. And that, that was part of the message that Bodes gave him is, look, you know, I know you had 74, you're not happy with that, but you played a lot better than 74. Mike, it's been very apparent you and Justin working on putting quite a bit at tournaments over the last year. His, his putting numbers were great at Southern Hills. Where did that breakthrough come? How long ago? Well, John Graham is his putting coach, uh, and, and they've, they've done a lot of good stuff together the past two years. And, we could see improvements, um, and, and even though maybe some of the numbers and some of the stats didn't bear out uh, his improvements, we could see that he was trending in the right direction. And and obviously, there's there's so many good players out there on any given week on tour that uh, the putter typically uh, makes the difference. I mean, people aren't out there fattening and thinning approach shots, so it's it's typically the putter that makes the difference at the end and. Uh, this season, as well as he's played, he's just had, you know, one poor putting day or two poor putting days, and, and you just can't do that in, four, in a four-round tournament and, and maintain your position. So we were due to, to see some important putts go in, and, uh, and they finally did. Mike, we in the media have been fascinated by the, the growing relationship between Tiger and Justin. Tiger doesn't let everybody into his orbit. Why do you think he and Justin have become as close as they have? Um, you know, I don't, I don't really know the answer to that. I, I think, um, you know, I, I know uh, a few years back, uh, Justin had reached out to Tiger when he was uh, rehabbing at home. And, and, you know, maybe that started their, uh, their relationship that, you know, he would go over and see him so forth. And then as Tiger would share information with, uh, with Justin and Justin would ask questions and so forth. And, and then I, I think also a large part of it is the needling. Uh, you know, Tiger's probably one of the great needlers out there, and uh, Justin's trying to break into the top five. And I think uh, maybe uh, Tiger appreciated somebody giving him the needle back because he probably doesn't get that as often as, as the, the regular player out there. Now, Mike, I heard Lee Westwood say years ago that if he misses long or short, it's the caddy's fault. And if he misses left or right, it's the coach's fault. So who gets the blame for the shank on Sunday? Is that you or him? Um, we, we are not sure where that came from. <laughs> uh, nobody's claimed blame for it, but at the end of the day, it's him that's pulled the trigger. So, uh, it wasn't my fault. It wasn't the caddy's fault. It was in, he, the club was in his hand, <laughs> but that, uh, also that bogey he made was his fault too. I mean, that was a heck of a five. It didn't, or a, a four that did got, did not get near enough attention to how good that, that bogey was. He got up and down from a greenside bunker on two going through some trees uh, for, for a bogey. That was that was crazy. He could still be back there hitting trees. Well, it was a lot of fun watching uh, Justin do his work and also watching you with a little fist pump outside the ropes. Mike, thanks so much for your time. Best to Janie. Have a great week uh, at Colonial. We'll speak to you down the road. All right. Thanks for having me. You have a good day. All right. Mike Thomas, PGA professional, father and coach of the two-time PGA champion, Justin Thomas.